Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're in here and you're uh, inside of our audience or inside of our church uh, as a, a in-person or you're watching online and you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Everybody say three times. And here's why, as I know, when you go to a new place, you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. I, I was asking someone the other day, I said, why did you come back to our church, you know, as a, kind of a guest? And they said, because you asked me to, Pastor. I came back because you asked me to. That's the number one answer I get. And so thank you for listening to the pastor. That's awesome. That's nice to know that people listen. So uh, we're so glad that you're with us. If you're watching online, do us a favor. Will you like, comment, share, uh, get the message of Jesus out? Actually helps us do that, uh, get through some of the algorithms that the social media platforms have. And then if you're in here, um, take out your phone and check in on Facebook. You'd be surprised how many people actually uh, find out about our church from just you checking in at the church. And so we're so glad that you're with us. I want to say something really quick before we start the message today. If you are, uh, if you are, are, have not come back to Rise in person, I would highly encourage you, will you please just this week have a conversation with your family about it? Love for you just to have a discussion. Hey, when are you going to come back? Maybe make a plan of coming back. And then if you are going to come back, which we hope you will, and we believe that you should, make sure that the local church is not the last place you show up in person, okay? I love HEB. I love Walmart. Target's amazing. I love to shop, but it's nothing like the local church. Come on, we need community, and so my encouragement is to come back. We'd love for you to be in here. And so it's, uh, we are uh, in the middle of a series called The Shocking Statements of Jesus, and we've been looking at Jesus maybe from a little bit different light. And today, we are honored because we have one of our board members, one of our overseers, more importantly, one of my pastors here who has been in my life for almost a decade now. I met him um, a long, long time ago. It has been amazing to just kind of, I was going over uh, just our life story together and just kind of how we connected and how God just knitted our lives together. How many of y'all know your destiny? is tied to your relationships. Come on, how many of y'all know your destiny is tied to your relationships, right? If you, if I can look at where you're going and where you're going to be or who you're going to be like just by looking at the people that you surround yourself with. And I learned a long time ago that you do not get the anointing that you're around. You get the anointing that you're under. And so I decided a long time ago that I was going to be submitted to pastors and leaders inside of my life because how many of y'all know you are not good all by yourself? You need good people around you that know things that have been there. And so I have been blessed to have Pastor Jeff Little and his wonderful wife, Miss Brandy, who has been in our lives for many years. They pastor a great church called Milestone Church in Dallas, Fort Worth area, Texas. And so um, amazing church. He's got 7,000, 10,000, 15,000. He's got campuses everywhere. I told first service he's going to be on the cover of time magazine soon so it'll be awesome and uh, we're just blessed to be listen he could be anywhere but he's here because he loves you not just because he loves me he loves you this is his family too he's part of this church he helped build this church and so he is not a guest he's he's family and so um, I always say this as well when we have somebody in here who speaks to this church we honor them because you're an honorable church and God we serve an honorable God and so when people come up we don't celebrate we don't stand up and clap you know how many y'all come to the church and be like stand up and clap because they're amazing he can do no wrong let me just tell you that's not why we stand up and clap. We stand up and clap because we serve an honorable God and we're honorable people. So when we, has, we have him come up, please help me welcome uh, Pastor Jeff Little to the stage. Come on, church, stand up and make some noise and let him know you're happy to see him and be here. Thank you so much. You can be seated. It's always an honor and a privilege to be here with Rise Church. I had a chance, I uh, believe, uh, just a little while ago, we did a leaders meeting and I think back to when you started, and I celebrate what happens here. Um, I do want to tell you, just, just because of the unique season that we're in, 
I want to tell you how proud I am of you. Um, I know sometimes it helps from an outside perspective that the unique year we've been in, um, we had about 500 pastors uh, at our church here like a couple months ago, and uh, a lot of pastors have been discouraged. It's been a difficult, challenging time. Churches like yours who are mobile, um, I planted a church in a cafetorium, uh, so I know, I know what it's like to set up and tear down. We're believing for you to get your first permanent location. Anybody believing with me? Come on. Um, so thank you to the set up and tear down team and all that goes into having a church as it's getting going and God's doing things. I, I want to tell you, um, it's, it's very unique what you've been able to do. So I just want to say to you, um, thank you for moving forward. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you for being who you are because a lot of churches in your position, uh, some estimates are 20% of churches in America are going to uh, really maybe even close their doors and a lot of church plants. So um, I just want you to know, I mean, thank you for being you. And I believe that God has a plan and a purpose. As Pastor Aaron said, I could be anywhere. I'm a part of what God's doing here. And uh, I believe God has a plan and a purpose for Rise Church in this city. And, uh, and yet you can have a great pastor and his wife, uh, who I love dearly. Uh, I've known them for a long time. They, they love you. They love God. They, they're serious about what God's called them to here, love their family. Had a chance to have a little special moment with their twin boys last night and some of the men, grandpa and all their, the granddads and, and uncles and Tim back there and everybody. We, we had a, just a great moment. So um, I, I feel part of the family. Y'all okay? I, I feel like I'm at home. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad to be here. And, and I, I really believe that God has some great plans for you as a church. So thank you for all of your investment. I want to welcome those watching online as well. I know we have, because of the season we're in, a lot of people online. Would you guys put your hands together and welcome those that are joining us? Pastor, Pastor Aaron asked me to jump into your series, and I don't know if you've had a chance to participate in the series, but it's entitled, Shocking Statements of Jesus. Shocking statements of Jesus. I want to give you a shocking one. Did you know there's a place where Jesus said, gather up this group here, this, this group of what he called weeds, but then referred to those as a time in history where the weeds would actually be people. He said, gather all this up and throw it in a furnace. Burn it up. You're like, wow, that's shocking. Pretty shocking. I mean, we think of Jesus, you know, lamb around his neck, kind of nice Jesus. You know, Jesus might get canceled. He'd throw some stuff in the furnace. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Jesus, Jesus kind of getting out there, you know, like throw it in the fire. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, red letters. Um, I, I grew up in church and I remember some of these passages, Jesus right here, red letters, he's speaking, Matthew 13, 24, and then we're going to look down at verse 36 where Jesus interprets his own message, so I'm just going to let Jesus preach this weekend. And um, 
So, man, didn't the worship team do great? You guys do church so well, did awesome. Got the new LED. I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're moving on up, you know. We got power. Uh, amazing. I, if you're new here, um, I, I grew up Southern Baptist. I grew up in Northeast Texas, and so the church I grew up in, you didn't raise your hand unless you had a question, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so everything was kind of set. My wife brought me to like one of these weird churches with all these folks that are moving around, you know, and uncontrolled. I, I was standing there thinking, these people have emotional issues, man. They need counseling or something, you know. So it, it's all, it's okay if this is new for you, okay. We're not as crazy as we look, okay. And we love people, but we also love Jesus, right? And um, so it's, it's just great to be with you today. We're going to talk about this this story that Jesus gives us, it's really what the Bible calls a parable. It's a, a story with spiritual meaning. I thought about a story in my own life that's kind of related to this. I, again, I grew up in Northeast Texas. We had big trees. Here in Central Texas, you guys have bushes on steroids, okay? And uh, so we had big trees. My dad was a pocket protector, mechanical pencil-wearing engineer. Y'all know anybody like that? We had drafting table in our house, you know. He, he, his, he like, if, it, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. He, he knew how to fix stuff. He knew how to design stuff. He knew how stuff worked. My mom was an intercessory prayer person. Y'all know any... How many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us all into the kingdom, you know? My mom, real spiritual person, you know, a little bit odd, but spiritual. You know, you want her praying for you if you get sick, you know? But I, I was 12 years old. I gave my heart and life to Jesus. Six months later, I was in my room. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I walked out into our family room. I said, I think, I think I'm called the ministry. I had big crocodile chills. My mom said, thank you, Jesus. I knew it. My dad said, sit down, boy. We need to diagram this for a minute, figure out how you're going to pay your bills. Um, my dad was always trying to teach me how to fix stuff, you know. He had tools and stuff. He knew how to fix stuff. I was like, Dad, I don't want to learn how to fix stuff because then I'll have to fix stuff, you know. I mean, if I learn, then somebody will ask me to fix it, you know. And he, he just set out on a mission to try to, you know, make me a responsible young man, one day he left the house in his old Ford pickup, man, three on the tree. Anybody old enough to remember? Three on the tree, 1970 Ford pickup rolled down the window. Some of you young people, you're like, rolled down the window? No, there was a time where you rolled down the window. He rolled down the window. He looked out of that truck. He said, boy, when I get home, these leaves better be raked. I said, all right. He said, I'm serious. You better have them rake. Three on the tree, he backed out. I thought, man, I got to find a rake. Went into his shed, got a rake, went out there, bunch of trees. Remember, man, leaves everywhere. I'm thinking, man, I got to start raking, you know, and I started raking and raking and my hands started hurting. And I thought, man, it's going to take a long time. I'm going to get blisters. And I had a great idea, you know, 12, 13 year old boy. I said, why rake them when you can burn them? Went in the house, got a match. Now, he loved his St. Augustine grass. It was like his kids, you know. He watered it all the time. He put, you know, stuff that made it grow like he just would just... And underneath those leaves was dormant St. Augustine grass. 
And man, I burned the place down, man. He pulled up. It was smoking like a nuclear bomb had went off, man. He rolled up, boy, what did you do? I said, I don't know, dad. I tried to fix it, you know. I was trying to fix those leaves, you know. And uh, luckily, the seed somehow, I don't know how it survived the fire, but the seed that was in that grass somehow was dormant or something, and somehow as spring came and he kept watering it and did a little transplant work, the grass came back. Jesus talks about seeds and he talks about growth and he talks about the importance of the seed and he talks about what the seed produces, and he uses this growing theme. You may not know, but the whole Bible contains it. It's one of the big metaphor pictures of the Bible. If you don't know a lot about the Bible, let me just tell you, I mean, there, God's perspective, he'll tell you how life works. We were leaving the hotel this morning having coffee, and on the local news channel, they they brought up the story of a lady and her husband. They own a billion-dollar toy company. I was kind of drawn to the story. and They started this company, and then the story turns You know, when it gets past their four houses and all their money, and, and this lady starts saying she's been struggling since she was a kid with depression, and she's trying to figure out how life works, and she writes these poems about it, and she's had eating disorders and different things, and I was just listening to her story, and she was like trying to make sense of life. And I had the thought, I thought, has anyone ever told her the God who created her can tell her how life works? It's not that it's wrong to have a problem or even to be depressed or discouraged. I'm not criticizing her for that. What I heard in her story, though, was a human being's desire to solve their own problems and fix their own situation. That, that's how we ended up with the problem we have. You see, there was a garden in the Bible. Jesus is back to talk about gardening and there was a garden in the Bible. It starts right in the very beginning. God created, he breathed it into existence. He created this, this world where in this garden, the human beings in it, they walked with him in the cool of the day. They walked in his presence. This garden was perfect. There was nothing bad in it. There was no COVID. There were no bursting water pipes. My house, the pipes burst and flooded our house. So we live in a hotel now because our Pipes burst. I'm, I'm kind of tired of unprecedented situation. You know, I'm tired of the word unprecedented freeze. I'm unprecedented. We are in unprecedented times. Can we have like some normal, like some routine times? Like we're just kind of in boring times, you know? Can we, we're kind of more into that. It was all perfect. There was this one tree there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Notice it was good and evil. There were good things in it. It just wasn't a tree of life because God said, don't eat of that tree. And the enemy lied to those people and said, God's holding out on you and totally misaligned and maligned the character of God. And they chose to eat from it. And in that perfect garden with perfect growth and perfect good things and a perfect God and a presence that you walk in and a, uh, no depression, no anxiety, no brokenness, no divorce, no abuse. Enter into that garden, all of those things followed the choice of sin. 
And that garden in Genesis 3.17 says that it didn't have this before, but it contained weeds now. It had weeds in the garden. I want you to know the third most common noun in the Bible, you may not know this, third most common noun is trees. Because God's a, a growth God. He wants to grow good things in your life. And there was a tree in that garden, but there was also another tree a tree that made the possibility for humanity to change their experience based on the choices of those first people in the garden. There was a rugged cross, a tree that Jesus hung on. Jesus jumps in this theme and he says some shocking statements. Jesus told them another parable. He's been talking about soil and your heart and seed I want you to know this, okay, because you're just like, wow, is this just for super spiritual people or special people can grow great things in their garden? The seed is perfect. The seed, by the way, is unbiased too. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how smart you are, doesn't matter how affluent you are, doesn't matter how long you've been to church, doesn't matter, the seed's perfect. All it needs is good soil. A receptive soil. In fact, Jesus has just given, he says, I'm telling you another parable. He's just given them what's called a meta parable. You're like, what's a meta parable? Sounds like powerful. You can go tell somebody at lunch, what'd y'all learn at church today? The preacher told me, man, about a meta parable. <laughs> a meta parable is a parable to explain all parables. And Jesus says, it's all about the soil of the heart and its receptivity. He uses a phrase over and over, he who has ears, let him hear what's being said. We had a dog. We had some kids. We decided the kids need a dog. We got a puppy dog. The dog was a schnauzer. We named him Luther. Got his ears cropped. He had pretty ears. He had a pretty little coat. Had a pretty little tail. One problem. He didn't listen to anything we asked him to do. He bit stuff. He broke stuff. He peed on stuff. Honestly, he was demon-possessed. I mean, just to be honest. Y'all with me? People email me all the time. You talk about this demon-possessed dog. Did he go to heaven? Look, people want to know, will dogs be in heaven? And I just tell people, I don't know, possibly, but cats are going to burn in hell. I'm just going to tell you. I don't know, but that's all, I will tell you that. Cats going straight to hell. I don't know about dogs. Maybe they'll be there. I don't know. He had ears that were pretty and cropped, but he couldn't hear. Then we got a golden retriever who's just a beautiful dog. And we, somebody else parented that dog and taught him how to listen. And uh, he listens to everything. This one over here was demon-possessed. But anyway, I don't know which dog you're like. Okay, Jesus says, look, just because you have ears doesn't mean you can hear. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? We will talk about that in a minute. No, he answered. 
Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds, tie them in bundles to be burned. Shocking statement. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. You're like, wow, that's powerful, you know, a story from Jesus, and he's talking about wheat and weeds and stuff burning and collecting other things. And you're like, what does he mean? I always love in the Bible where I don't have to try to interpret what Jesus meant. I don't have to get a commentary. I don't have to Google, Jesus, what did he mean? Can I get some smart person from some seminary to tell me what Jesus means? Good thing is, let's just skip down to verse 36 because Jesus tells us what he means. We'll just let Jesus preach. Just let him share it. Jesus explained what he said in the public parable. He explained it to a small group. Jesus had a small group. Y'all didn't know that? Why don't we do small groups at Rise Church? Not because it's like a cool idea or some new vogue way of doing it. Jesus had a small group. Because you learn better in a small group where you can talk about stuff and understand things better. So he left the crowd. Thank God for the crowd. Thank God for gathering, hearing the preached word. And he went into the house. He had a small group at his house. I bet Jesus had some good appetizers at his small group. I know he did because, I mean, Jesus is perfect. Jesus had good appetizers. I mean, because the perfect small group has good appetizers. Are y'all with me? He had to have some hummus, Mediterranean power of some sort up in there. I don't know if he had wings, but he had something in there. Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out His kingdom. Everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Shocking statement warning right here. Get ready. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. I grew up in a church. The Bible here is specifically talking about the fact that there's an eternal reality. All of this will come to a culmination at some point. I know some of you justice-oriented people, you're like, people are getting away with stuff. That's evil. No one's getting away with anything. Nobody's ever gotten away with anything. There will come a day where not some, all, all, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It just said there's coming an end to the age. There's a place called heaven, the barn in which the wheat is gathered into. There's a place called hell where it says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you're like, did the preacher just say hell? Now, I grew up in a church where my pastor preached hell hot all the time. I remember I was Baptist, brother. They tried to scare you out of that place. I mean, he was up there, hell. You never called it by its name. You have to call it hell. 
I mean, he preached about hell with such description, I thought he was a member. I remember as a kid sitting there like, ah, ah. I mean, golly, you tell a story, God, driving down the road, you could leave today, you're driving down the road, boom, car, dead, hell, you, ah. You know, that was a former day where we talked about heaven and hell a lot. Nowadays, maybe we don't talk about it enough. Maybe all we get is five ways to be more prosperous and six ways to get more blessed and seven ways to have a better marriage and three ways to have better kids. And here's five points on how you can have the better life. You know, it'd be a tragedy to have a blessed life and even a blessed marriage and a prosperous life and end up in hell. Because there's coming an end of the age. I mean, you only have two choices. Either Jesus is a lunatic and should not be believed or you have to believe that there's a harvest age coming at the end where he will bring unto himself the wheat and the weeds will be burned. By the way, we talk about hell and the fire, fire of hell. Like, man, it's hot. You know, in hot Texas, those of you not from Texas, how many of y'all not from Texas? I'm born and raised Texas. Welcome to the promised land. You have now made it home. They'll put these signs up when it's like 117,000 degrees. They'll put a sign up. You think it's hot here? What if you go to hell? You're just like, that bless me. Move my heart. I think I'm going to give my life right now to Jesus. I give my life to you, Jesus. That billboard changed my life. <laughs> Well-intended people. The worst thing about hell is not the fire. The worst thing about hell is, remember that garden? The presence, the presence of God, they walked with him in the cool of the day. The Bible says every good and perfect gift that you enjoy today comes from above, from a good, generous God. Every day you have a good feeling, a cool, crisp morning, a nice cup of coffee, a hug from your grandkids, a good day, a light. It's all from a good God. It's all from a good, generous God. The problem with hell is it's eternity without anything good. That's what makes it bad. You say, well, that's a great story, and Jesus told us the story, so very briefly, let me tell you what we need to learn from it. Because there's something for all of us to learn from Jesus' story. He took the time to tell a parable and then say what it means. What does he want us to learn from it? Number one, the difference between the wheat and the weeds is the seed. So you're like, okay, wait a minute. What do seeds have to do with salvation, with Jesus, with eternity, the end of the age? What's he growing now in my heart? What is all of this? What does it mean? Well, I want to show you a, a powerful picture of two kinds of seeds. First of all, the Bible says you have the potential, 1 Peter 1.23, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed that burns up, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. You're like, how do I get that imperishable seed, that seed that lives forever? How do I get that? How do I become that? Because I kind of have two options here. I'm going to take the barn. Right. Yeah. I, I'm going with the barn. Yeah. Let me show you. First of all, we are born of a seed that's corruptible because our father in that garden, all of our father is Adam. Adam. 
Adam chose in a garden to say, not your will be done, my will be done. In a garden, not your will, but my will be done. He had disobedience. He had all of this to enjoy, but the one thing he chose was disobedience. So what happened is that produced a corrupt seed. There's kind of a narrative out there, if you listen to most talk shows, that we're all basically good people. We just need a little more education, and if people knew the right thing, they would choose the right thing. If we would just get a little different opportunity, then everything in the world would be fine. It's just that people are not exposed to the right things, because if exposed to the right things, people choose the right things. People are not basically bad, they're basically good. Anyone who believes that has never had a two-year-old. I've had four. And they're born with the propensity and the inclination to do bad stuff. They bite. They fight. They like the word mine. Mine. They are born little selfish creatures. They're cute. They're cuddly. They're awesome. They're squishy and born with the propensity to choose what is wrong. No one had to teach you how to mess your life up. No one had to say, you know what? Do some dumb stuff. We just kind of, okay, hey, hey. Mess up. We end up in a place where we go, I never would have chose this. We're way more loved than we know, but way more flawed than we really are able to understand. Because we have that seed in us. That weed is in us. It comes from our dad. His name is Adam. And that weed, if you notice the picture there, that weed, it looks like an edamame. You may not know this because you may not be into Middle Eastern gardening. But when Jesus told this story, they would have thought about that weed. It's called a Darnell weed. It was illegal, according to Roman law, to sow that in a wheat field. Because why? It looks like wheat, but it's toxic. In fact, the very Latin name Darnell means drunk or toxic. It will make you nauseated. It will make you sick. But when you look at the two growing together, you think they are similar. One will kill you and one will give you life. The only way to fix it was there had to be a different seed. How do you get an imperishable seed? You have to have a second Adam. The second Adam, his name is Jesus. He has a perfect nature. He obeyed. Get this, in a different garden. In the garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will be done, Father, but your will be done. There is no temptation that you've ever been tempted with. There's no feeling you've ever had, the Bible says, that he hadn't experienced. I'm so glad that Jesus came as one of us to live the life that we could never live so that we could experience a life that we could never earn. He came and lived it for us. Perfect obedience. So we can be born of a different seed. When you're born again, you become a different seed. This is why there's attack on the virgin birth. Well, I don't know if Mary was really a virgin. Oh, absolutely she was. 
Why did she have to be born of a virgin? Why? Because we can't have that other seed. We have to have a different seed. He's born of a different seed. There was this immaculate, amazing, miraculous conception so there could be a different seed that produces a different generation. The second Adam. Sacrifice, incorruptible, which produces wheat. Romans 5.15 says, But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? The difference is the seed. The difference is the seed. Seed's perfect. Works every time. In every situation. All it needs is receptive soil. Now some of you are like, I'm thankful that I received that. And by the way, when you, when you receive that seed, I remember when I did. It's amazing how it changes you. I mean, I've had people that I've talked with and they're like, well, my family and they, they're Catholic, Episcopal, this, what will they say? I'm like, well, let's just think about you and the seed. Well, well I don't know if I can live up to it. You can't. Don't worry about that. Just receive the seed. Well, well I, don't, I don't know... And, and, and it's amazing how you come with all these questions and all you have to do is receive the seed and you look up and look behind you and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a different person. You, you, I like to tell people you become everything you make fun of. You're like those weird people, then you become one. Because the seed starts growing. And you hate things you used to love and you love things you used to hate and you care about stuff that's different and you get God's perspective and life makes more sense. And I mean, you receive Jesus, you'll never turn him in. You'll never trade him in. When he comes in your garden, he starts to produce. He just said to us earlier, 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. There's 100 fold fruit flowing out of your life that you never thought was possible, but it's because of the seed changes you. Now, some of you are like, okay, I got you. I got that. I'm going to be in the barn. Good. You also have something in this passage. He says, discover. I want, he, he tells us to not pull up these weeds right now. So the second thing we need to understand is we need to discover that God's grace allows them to grow together in that season. They're growing together and so Jesus has a garden and there's these weeds there and there's wheat there. And some of y'all are like, oh, those wheat, man. Look, I, I, we need more wheat and those weeds and the weeds and look at them. And mask, no mask. Politics. I'm going to tell you, this year has been a tough year for anybody who serves people. And man, when I read this, I thought, Jesus, you're articulating something I feel in my spirit. Now, some of you are like, well, does that mean we never talk about what is right or wrong? Jesus talks about what's right or wrong. No, we're not talking about that. There's one extreme that's like, let's just start yanking stuff up. There's another extreme that goes, oh, God would never, you know, really do anything that would make anyone feel uncomfortable or there's, you know, grace means that it's all like a license to do whatever. Both of those are extremes. Let me remind you, no one's getting away with anything. Okay. By the way, you know how you offer grace to others? You're acutely aware of the weeds in your own heart. He who's been forgiven much loves much. Don't ever forget. Now, if you're a wheat and you're headed to the barn, you were a weed. 
at some point. My grandmother used to say, Jeff, you're like a bull in a china closet. You know how I many people, I, I'm you, I've, been, I've been a senior pastor since I was 21. I'll be 48 years old in September. I have never experienced a year where more people had an opinion about what I should preach about than the last year. Now, I've been preaching since I was 16 years old. I know you have a lot of messages in you. We appreciate your opinion. But, man, people were all up in the garden, man, rambunctious, man, just, slow your roll, brother. Trying to grow something here. Did you know you can be right and wrong at the same time if you start destroying? We got little wheat. We got little wheat growing. Little wheat growing around here. Easy, brother. Easy. Hey, 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 hey. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus would say that I would none would perish. There's coming a judgment day. But you need to realize this. Right now, the rain falls. I think I heard some rain falling. It falls on the just and the unjust. A lot of people think God is this mean God. He's just looking for somebody to fry to their toenails. You know, <laughs> See, some people would even say, man, he throws people in the furnace? That passage is not scary if you remember what I, I left off the last part of that little explanation of Jesus. He who has ears, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, that's a hopeful message. If you don't have ears to hear, it's like, wow. But right now, His grace has it all growing together, and His garden is something we should be concerned with because He cares about people coming into His kingdom. The biggest thing, though, in this whole thing, and I'll close with this, is you, you got to determine if you're wheat or a weed. It's that simple. The purpose of Jesus' story really is to say, are you wheat? Or are you weed? And you don't become wheat just because you're in the garden and you can kind of look like wheat, but you need to make sure you actually are wheat because the weed actually looks like the wheat sometimes. And you can hang out in a life-giving church and think, well, I'm okay. And we just kind of go to the barn by proxy, but that's not the case. There's an individual evaluation. We don't talk about eternity enough. We're all going to face it. You stand before God one day. I have a young couple at my gym that I'm witnessing to right now. Totally lost. Totally lost. I asked them the other day, I said, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, I've kind of made friends with them and found some ways to interact with them. And what are you going to do when you stand before God? What are you going to tell him? Because there's a perfect garden in heaven, man. There's a perfect God, Jesus said in John 15. You're the gardener. You're the father who's the gardener. and I'm the true vine, and they are the branches. And he's got this perfect garden reassembled there in heaven. And he's a perfect God. Thank God he is, because I don't want to worship someone with the same problems I have. And you got to be perfect to go there. But you know what the modern American religion is? It's what this young couple told me. What are you going to tell God when you stand there? Because you can't say, well, my uncle's a preacher. You can't say, well, I went to church. None of that gets you in because perfection is the ticket required. Number one answer I get all over the place when I ask people, I'm a good person. 
I'm a good person is going to send more people to the furnace than any other philosophy in our generation. I'm a good person. Good as compared to what? That's why I tell people, you need a good heathen friend. I'm talking about a real good sinner. I appreciate a good sinner. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because I know what I'd be without Jesus. Let me just tell you, I'm not going to halfway do it. Let's get it on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love a good sinner because good sinners get saved. They become radical Christians. Rebellion is just misdirected passion. You know what I'm saying? My theory is why be religious and kind of half sin? If you're going to be a weed, let's get it on and partay. You need you a good heathen friend, though, because when you stand before God, you'd be like, now, I've lied. Okay, so you're a liar. Okay, good. I've stolen. So, okay, you're a thief. Okay, let's stop there. But you stand before God and be like, I've done a few of those things. But he is a full-blown heathen. You know what I'm saying? When we say we're good, we're usually comparing ourselves to someone we've deemed is worse than us. But the comparison is Jesus. And that perfect garden can have no imperfection in it. So when you stand there, you're like, I'm inadequate. It's kind of like going through the scanner. When I leave today, I'll get on the, get, get ready to get on the airplane. We woke up there, you know, 9-11 changed how we travel. You know, you got to take your shoes off, got a hole in your sock. You know, you're going up there. Can't have any gunpowder, guns, bombs, water, Pepsi. We were leaving for a trip with my family and Christmas. My third daughter, she's a sophomore. She rolled up there. We're taking stuff. She, she pulls out a steak knife. I'm like, seriously, girl? Like, you just roll with a steak knife now? Like, is that how you roll? Like, if there's an opportunity for a filet mignon at any point, you're ready? What are you doing? And it's like, the people come over and say, I'm a steak knife. Okay, glad we got that covered. Okay, wow. Wow. I can't pass the scan. And that's where the Bible says, God made him who knew, knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. A different tree where he took our sin. I'm asking you to bow your heads with me. Wheat or weed, shocking statement. Wheat comes into my barn, the perfect garden. The weeds burned up in the furnace. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. But I do want to give you the opportunity. You say, how do you do it? Well, it's back to receiving. The seed is perfect. The person, Jesus Christ, will do all of the saving, do all of the changing. All you have to do is receive it. Maybe watching online, you just simply say, Jesus, here I am. You know I've missed the mark. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead. Make it your words. Come into my heart and life and save me. Become my Jesus. Change me from weed to wheat. Do your supernatural work in me. Become my Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I accept you today. With every head bowed, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'd like to know who I prayed with. If you prayed with me, would you just slip your hand up to say, I prayed. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Several hands in this room. Here's what I'm going to pray over you, that you'll let someone know. Here, here at Rise Church, we have what's called Next Steps. Pastor's going to tell you in a minute about a family meal where you can come and meet others. Several hands went up in this room, and it's really imperative now that you're a new little baby plant in the garden that we help you grow up. Our, our mission, reaching people, 
building lives. We want to help you learn how to build your life. So you need to tell somebody. The enemy comes to rob the seed unless you tell somebody. You need to let us help you grow and develop in your newfound relationship with Jesus. We want to help you. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be an emotional decision, but Lord, this would be a real decision between you that the enemy wouldn't come later this week to lie to them and say, hey, that was just a prayer. That was just a service. But I pray now they are wheat in your garden. They would flourish, grow, bear 30, 60, 100 fold fruit. Lord, we thank you for this great church. We pray your blessing upon it. We thank you, Lord, that in your garden, you are growing every single day wheat. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause every person here, a part of this church, to flourish. In Jesus' name, amen.